Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. We're all running our own race and we have to stay in our lane. And the more time and attention you put focusing on other people outside of you and comparing yourself to them and judging yourself based on them, one or two things are going to happen. You're going to either feel very proud about yourself, which can be very detrimental sometimes, but more often times than not, we feel this dissatisfaction in where we're at because we're not accomplishing or doing what somebody else is doing. Well, that's their race. And your job is to run your race to the best of your capabilities. It's intercepted. by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Welcome. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. Um, once again, I want to thank all of my listeners who tune in every week to be able to, to listen to some of the stories and some of the the, uh, the knowledge that I tend to uh, pull, pull out from my guest. Or if I'm doing a solo, I try to kind of share some, some principles of uh, success. And it's not just about, you know, athletic success but also like those in business or those who have families or who have influence and they want to further that and they want to grow that. Um, I'm very blessed to be able to have people who come on my show and to open up and, and share their knowledge. Um, and in saying that, my next guest on the Shark Effect is a good friend of mine. He's had a lot of success here in, in the, the great Northwest. 
Um, he's been on TV. He played at a very high level at the University of Oregon. And once I start to explain, a lot of you guys are going to be like, I know who that is. But he's a three, three sports. He played while at the highest level of collegiate uh, academia. He played football, played basketball, and ran track. Now, it was hard enough for me <laughs> to, to survive <laughs> just playing football. This, you know, that and then school. This dude did three, three different sports and played well. And, you know, we were just joking, but I was like, man, so you did all that. He didn't play. He didn't play college football until his junior year. Mm-hmm. He played his junior year, and then he ended up starting, I don't know, um, I don't know how many games, but he started and getting drafted and then got drafted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So drafted in, in, into the NFL mm-hmm. and did that. And I, I'm just, you know, very well spoken. You know, he loves talking sports, not just football, mm-hmm. um, but I'm very excited about our conversation. Jordan Kent, thank you for being a guest on the Shark Effect, my man. Hey, thanks again for having me. I know we've been talking about this for a while, and I'm really glad that we could connect and looking forward to sharing some stories. It's uh, funny. You look back at your experiences and the things that you've accomplished, and as each year tacks on, and it's no longer 10 years ago, it's now 15 years ago, you have a different appreciation for what you did back then, and it's pretty cool to see how it continues to impact your life moving forward. Love that. Love that perspective. So, so let me ask you: As you get farther along, right, you get a little bit older. Kids get a little older. Do the stories, do the stories of you in your athletic prowess, do they get grander, or do they start to like you start to forget things or what? I want to know because you know, I'm gonna see if it aligns with with what I you know tell my kids. Sure, it's really funny because I I remember growing up, especially in the state of Oregon where I really got myself on the map was through high school track and field and setting numerous state records that at the time you thought were untouchable. And then those eventually get passed by somebody, right? And you Mm -hmm. have all these accomplishments in track that you feel like, okay, these will eventually get passed by somebody. But I think when you look at the big picture of everything and your unique situation at the University of Oregon, where you came in on a basketball and track scholarship, added football because you realized you weren't going to go to the NBA shooting free throws like Shaq and (laughs) tracks the sport where you really can only do so much with your God-given ability. It's hard to take off an extra second in the hundred or add another foot and a half in the long jump when you've already optimized so many areas. So adding football as a opportunity to challenge myself to try a sport I've never played before, knowing that I probably wouldn't get another chance to try it competitively later on in life. I look at that entire package and it's funny athletes and student athletes understand how unique, challenging and special that is to achieve all three of those and not just sit on the bench, right? You, you played, you started, you contributed and you were a key member on those teams during the time. I think as I look back further and further and you see less and less evidence of multi-sport athletes in college. It's rare to get the one to do two sports, of course. The more just amazed I am by that accomplishment, not in a braggadocious way, because there's no way I could have done it without the help of so many other people. And something that I certainly didn't accomplish on my own, but 
when you look at things that we have an opportunity to do in life that really separate yourself from everybody else, and not that that's what life's about, but we get those moments, those opportunities, right? That to me is something that always will continue to stand out. And it's one of those icebreaker bullet points, as I like to say, when someone describes you or talks about you, as soon as you put that up there, the near universal appreciation from former athletes I get from that really means a lot. And yeah. it's something that I never could have bought any day. It's something that no contract could have ever done. And you understand there were some sacrifices that went into that. And so the stories, as you look back, it's less about the individual accomplishments within the sport or the race or whatever. It's really the total body of work that, hey, here was a student athlete from Eugene that went to Oregon, played two sports, added a third, contributed in them, got drafted. That, to me, I'm not even too concerned if that gets surpassed someday. Mm-hmm. I think just being able to do that in and of itself is extremely special and extremely rare. I'm going to show you. I, I'm, I'm going to tell the people how how special <laughs> that is because, you know, it's that's tough. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, like, from a social aspect like what type of social life did you have did you have man what helps when you didn't have much of one to begin with right (laughs) that's the joke I tell people I mean here's the thing when I was in school I understood what it was about I was going to get my degree I was going to compete if I had some time for friends I did and you know I certainly had fun and got together with people but it wasn't your typical college social scene and you didn't have that opportunity to take the long weekends or the trips, right? Because you're competing every single weekend or getting ready for a competition. But I would gladly trade that for being in competition nearly throughout the year. We all know as athletes, our favorite part of the season is when you get to the regular season. Nobody loves training camp. Nobody loves the weeks leading up into that first game. But once you get into the games and that flow, it's a lot of fun. And my typical calendar year was it would start with football training in mid-June, that off-season conditioning, right? You do that all the way through July. You take your week off. Then fall camp starts that first week of August or whatever, last week of July. You go through fall camp, and you know as a football player, there is no greater feeling than when you get to that last day of fall camp and you get to the first week of game prep. It just feels so much different, like a relief and easy. Well, once you got to that point, you were competing the rest of the year. You would go through the football season. You would join the basketball team. It would take you a couple weeks of practice and games to really get your legs and rhythm underneath you. But then you'd play the basketball season until about mid-March. Then same thing for track. You take a week off and then you get your track legs underneath you. And then you're competing just in time for the big meets in the year for track. That would get done mid-June with NCAAs. Take two weeks off and here we go again with football off-season conditioning. So for me... It was great because when one season ended, you knew you were getting ready for games and competition in the next one. There wasn't that off-season period where it's just the early morning waits month after month and no game, and it feels like the season's so long away. It just went boom, 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 Mm -hmm. and that was great. That was probably my most enjoyable aspect, just getting a chance to constantly compete. The number of times I got to put on a jersey or a pair of cleats or spikes throughout the year is great, and I really feel like when it comes down to college and the experience you want from there, short of, of course, everyone wants to get drafted. I think the number of times you have a chance to compete and play to me is one of the most important aspects of any college you choose to go to, because that's what you're going to miss the most at the end of the day is getting onto the field and competing at a high level. 
it's one thing to go to a big name school and sit on the bench and not compete, but to yeah. go and get actual run and get a chance to go out there and go opponent to opponent so many times, that to me was my favorite aspect of doing all three sports. Mm, love that. And that's, a, and you know, doing more research on you, you are the only in the, in the PAC 12, PAC 12 conference used to be PAC 10, but the only three sport athlete since world world war two. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, it's uh, it was crazy when they were telling me the stat behind that and just how long <laughs> it was. On, and, and I would even say, too, and you know this also, when you look at, there have been a handful of people that have done three sports, and you even had an individual at Oregon, Liz Brenner, do four sports, and she's remarkable. Football, as you know, dominates the calendar more than any other sport. The amount of hours you have to put in for the practice, the prep, the game film, and everything – so trying to add anything else on top of that is tough. And you'll usually see some like football, basketball, baseball guys, which there's nothing wrong against that at all. Mm-hmm. But to me, I look at the conditioning you have to be in for high level collegiate track and field. And that's just a completely different beast. It is a completely different type of conditioning and shape you have to be in. And that's why that trio of football, basketball, and it wasn't just one event in track. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to go out there and high jump a couple of times, or I'm just going to long jump or throw this one implement, you were doing the 100, 200, 400 long jump, both relays. That to me is, again, as an athlete that's done it, you understand just how difficult that is. And as I look back, the more and more I'm just like, wow, I really can't believe I accomplished that. So tell me, like, what were some of the things that helped you once you finished up your sport? and or sports so once Mm -hmm. you finish in the nfl and you you got into play by play Mm -hmm. or got into the uh the sports world in Mm terms in terms of like being a a a, uh, communicator Mm -hmm. of sports what were some of those key elements that helped you transition from uh your sport and playing it and now you're talking about it Yeah, it's really interesting when it comes to being an athlete. We have this skill that we've been fine-tuning our entire lives, but you really have a short window of your life to apply it at a high level just because our bodies eventually will fail us. And yeah, you can still compete in your sport, but it's not like piano or some of the arts where the more time you spend doing it, you're going to have decades and decades and decades of experience, especially a sport like football. There is not a lot of longevity there. And so what helped me transition from being a competitive athlete to now, what am I going to do with the rest of my life and how am I going to apply myself to my professions? It really came down to a lot of those core principles as an athlete. And I remember number one, I'm always going to work as hard as I possibly can. You really can't sit back and think you're going to have the best results as possible if you don't put in the work. And you know this, Alex, there are so many factors that can dictate the end result that are out of your control. You don't know what the opposition is going to do. You don't know what the marketplace is going to do. You don't know what the economy is going to do, yada, yada, yada. But the one thing you can control in any aspect of life is how hard you work, how much you apply yourself to something. And you're going to give yourself the best chance possible if you put in that work. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I'm going to have to continue to put in that work at the same level that I did as an athlete. Number two, was to learn how to embrace failure because 
I knew as an athlete, there were times I made a lot of mistakes. You learn from it and you get better. I mean, football, that first year as a junior at Oregon, the number of passes I dropped that you finally learn the muscle memory on every single type of route and pass after dropping it a handful of times really helped you. Well, it's no different in your post-athletic world. You're going to make mistakes. Not everything's going to go perfect, and you're going to have to mitigate risk as you try to grow and expand yourself. Well, you can't avoid making decisions or trying to pursue things purely on the fear of failure. You have to understand that your failures are opportunities to learn, opportunities to grow, and the people that are the most successful in their field, whether it's athletes or in the world of business, I say more so than looking at their end results, look at how they've handled their failures and how do they pick themselves up every single time they fail and what do they learn from their failures also? Because it's not just one thing to fail and then repeat the same thing over and over again. How do you learn and adapt from those failures? And then lastly, was to just not compare myself to other people. I use the term stay in my square. It's really easy in today's world to look at someone to your left or right and judge where you're at based upon their results or their success. But really, to use a track analogy, we're all running our own race and we have to stay in our lane. And the more time and attention you put focusing on other people outside of you and comparing yourself to them and judging yourself based on them, one or two things are going to happen. You're going to either feel very proud about yourself, which can be very detrimental sometimes, but more oftentimes than not, we feel this dissatisfaction in where we're at because we're not accomplishing or doing what somebody else is doing. Well, that's their race. And your job is to run your race to the best of your capabilities and find the joy that comes in that and find the success and define that and, and learning too what success truly means. I think as an athlete, it's really easy to pin success on championships or you've got stats that track points, catches, yards, what have you. Whereas post-career, what I've learned, success to me is when your passion and your talent meet together in a sweet spot. And the only way that you're going to find out what you're passionate about is if you try a lot of different things. The only way you're going to find out what you're naturally talented at is if you try a lot of different things. And when you find that sweet spot, and I'm sure you found this with other things here, Alex, you don't mind putting in the hours. You don't mind the grind that goes with being successful in any walk of life because this is what you feel called to do. So if you can find that, whatever it is in your life, then you pursue that with all of your passion, all of your effort, all of your hard work. That to me is success. So really learning to redefine what success was and using those principles of hard work, embracing failure, and staying in my square to pursue that is what I've found has helped me be successful post-athletic career. Love that. Here's what I love about that, Jordan, is you broke it down to a couple of different reasons or a couple of different ways. Number one, you define success mm. because my success could be different from yours, mm -hmm. right? It's not like in sports where success is, you know, win or loss. Mm -hmm. No, there's different forms. Like my success is different than most people's. Mm -hmm. You know, my success is whenever I can be able to do something, I can be able to turn whatever failure, whatever things those are, and I can flip it and I can turn it to be able to, to get success, right. To, mm -hmm. to be able to win or find those little wins or to help people that's success for me. Other people might call success, like how much money you got in your account. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mine is a little bit different. So I love how you, how you broke that down. Here's another thing is 
those principles, I'm listening to them and I'm, I'm, I'm really big on listening to, to words, but what are the foundational principles that you can apply that to any world? Not, not, not just sports, not just football, but can I apply that in my business? All right. My business strategy, or, you know, I'm a parent. Can I apply those same things in terms of hard work, not being afraid of failure? Mm-hmm. And I'm listening and I'm like, yes, you can apply those things. Um, and so I want to talk about what you've done, you know, from stepping away from the game and, you know, you did some, some great things and you still are doing some great things in terms in the community and, you know, talking, talking ball and being on TV. But mm-hmm. here's the thing that I don't know if everybody knows, you've been very successful in the sport camp world or industry. I don't even know if that's a, if that's yeah, something. No, it's an industry. All right. It's definitely okay, it's there. Industry, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and you've been having so much success here in Oregon. Like I've seen you expand a little bit into Arizona as well, but mm-hmm. can you tell me some of the things that have, um, that has given you success? Cause I don't know how long you've been doing this for. It seemed like you've been doing this it for is a your very 11 long time. coming year up 11. here. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. We uh, so, started in 2012. Yeah, with them. yeah. And I'll use the same principles because they're principles we teach our kids: hard work, teamwork, embrace failure, stay in your square. They started from a failure, to be honest. When I got done playing, the first thing I wanted to do, one of the first things I wanted to do, along with sports broadcasting, was put on competitive high school football camps and me too <laughs> you go about it one way and, and you fall flat on your face big time that first yep. year and now you're sitting with a trailer of equipment thinking okay what am i gonna do we only had 10 kids sign up through the entire west coast the first year that's not a good start and you just make these discoveries and adjustments and you try something different every single year right and you take some risks and you just want to make sure you can manage those risks if they don't work out but you you swing for the fences on a couple things and sometimes you connect sometimes you don't and if an idea works great you run with it and you refine it and if an idea doesn't work then you stash it away and so to start year one 2011 with our business at the time was called edge combines and just fail completely and spectacularly I love how much we failed looking back because it just makes the story that much greater. In fact, if we didn't fail the way we did, we probably would have tried to stick with the concept, which looking back, there's no way it would have been nearly as successful as where we're at now. So to make the pivot from going serious competitive high school football camps for kids in 2011, where you even learn about the marketplace then, right? If I'm trying to get a high school kid into my camp, there's three people that have to sign off on that. I've got to get the kid to like it, first of all, and he's got to think it's cool and worth his time. The coach manages his schedule, right? Is he available to even do it? And then three, mom and dad are going to end up paying for it. Do they want to pay for it? That's three people you have to convince just to get one customer in the door. That's difficult to do in any industry versus when we made the change to the six to 12 year olds, it's mom and dad. That is the judge, jury, and everything that goes with that, right? As far as whether or not they're going to send little Johnny to the camp. And it makes your messaging and your marketing that much more simpler and that much more refined. And when we made that switch to, hey, instead of football, we're going to offer multi-sports, boys and girls ages 6 to 12, and just make it really fun, that's when we really started to roll. And our first year, we had four camps, three of them in Eugene, one in Portland, and used a Groupon to get probably half the kids in the door. And we had about 310 kids, and we couldn't be thrilled. We turned a $500 profit that summer. We're like, yes, this is great. 
And we just steadily grew every year. We added a new city. We tried a different sport. We adjusted our hours, maybe added a day, tinkered with the price. And you just made all these decisions year after year after year to here we are now. We're on pace for close to 5,000 kids with over 40 camps and four wow. states. And wow. it's a tremendous amount of work and effort. And I remember those early years where I was running every single camp and I would work for eight straight weeks in the summer, loading and unloading the trailer and being the manager at every location just to really understand how we work and what doesn't work to then a transition. Once I realized I had kids, I wasn't going to have that time and availability in the summer. How do I get my systems and processes in place so that I can mm. pass this on to individuals that can still run it at a high enough quality to where our customers and our parents and the kids are having a great time and that's been the really fun adjustment over the last couple of years coming up with those systems and processes and looking through all of that i think the most important thing that has helped us be successful as a business is resolve because there are going to be so many times in life and in business where you have the ups and you have the downs and you approach problems and you have to be resourceful to withstand the bumps look at covid 2 years ago we had record signups all the way through March, and then all of a sudden it fell off like a cliff, which we all understand as soon as everyone entered lockdown. We didn't know what was going to happen that summer. We were one of the first companies, one of the first sports camps to really have questions with the state and with the governor's office about what's safe, what's not safe, what can we do, can we do this? And we really took the opportunity to be a leader in that space to sculpt what a safe youth sport camp environment would be and really just kind of went forward without asking for permission, but said, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's our documentation to where we grew in 2020 compared to 2019 that summer because parents were just looking for something for their kids. And I remember how hard we worked that summer. It came down to making sure we had a football, basketball, or soccer ball for every single kid and writing a number on it and keeping kids in groups of 10 and writing all the information on the cohorts and every single coach wearing gloves and masks and all that stuff, that allowed us to really get the snowball to roll. And so we went from 2019, we've tripled our numbers since then. And I really mm. think it's because of 2020 and the work that we put in. And so I would say our resourcefulness and our resolve to look at a problem straight in the face and figure out creative solutions, that has helped us grow. And that's what's going to require us to do every single year. We've got to come up with creative solutions to better our product for our customers, for our parents, for the kids, and then also help us stand out in a marketplace where there's a lot of offerings. There's a lot of kids, but there's also a lot of camps. How do you differentiate yourself? That is the creative problem that we have to solve every single year, and it's something that's really exciting to try and do. Love that. And, you know, from the – on the other side of, of that, right, with the customer – is you got to make sure you have, like you, you already talked about the procedures and processes, but also the staffing. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to hear, like, what are some of your leadership, like, what is the leadership principles or the resources that you use to make sure that you get the right, uh, the right coaches mm -hmm. to be able to share all that knowledge and have a great experience and be able to, um, you know, with, with 
customer service. Mm-hmm. You know, if a kid ends up getting you know injured or he get his feelings yeah. hurt, that that's worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get those feelings yeah, that hurt. is worse, right? <laughs> what, what are some of the things that you've, in terms of leadership, that you try to um, give on to your staff? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head because we can do all this work from an administrative standpoint. But then at the end of the day, if we don't have great people executing these camps for us, well, no matter how much we try to organize and script and put all this stuff out there for the kids to have a wonderful time, they're not going to have a good time. If they don't have a well-prepared coach that has been vetted as far as someone that we feel can really represent our brand. And so it's a multi filter process really for getting someone in as a coach number one you send us an application and a 60 second video explaining why you want to be a coach we can tell a lot from that right there Mm. then once we feel like okay you you've got the background you've got the juice to do it with our training we look at each single role managers your job is to really make sure everything's going smoothly coaches you have to understand you're probably going to have the biggest impact on whether or not a kid has a great time at camp because you're going to be spending the most time with that kid one-on-one so your relationship with the campers is the most important thing you should focus on let the manager handle a lot of the administrative nuts and bolts schedule stuff of the day your job as a coach is just to have fun and so we came up with an acronym for our coaches and managers it's called pose it's p for positivity everything should always be positive in the way we carry ourselves the way that we talk to kids o is for order everything should have intentionality behind it whether it's a drill whether it's a game that we set up whether we have the kids organized doing something there should be order to everything we say and do at camp s safety i always tell the coaches what's the most important thing at the end of the summer no it's not that every kid had a good time it's Every kid came into camp and also left camp. That's the most important thing. And keeping these kids safe, people's most precious prized possession is our number one priority. You know, we aren't selling burgers. We aren't selling tires here where we can afford a mistake. You have to be perfect and flawless every single summer. And that's a lot of pressure. But at the same time, we're very excited to have that opportunity to work with something like that because it really makes sure that we can have an impact on these kids. And then finally, E is for energy. Everything we should do should have this energy to it, whether it's music playing at the camps or the way that we address kids. That's what helps separate ourselves. It's that joy, that fun, that energy that you see in our atmosphere. So we always tell our coaches and managers, think of pose. Anytime you're doing something, go through that list and make sure whatever activity we're doing has all that involved. If so, then you're really translating what we're trying to do as a brand. And then I think, again, just putting the responsibility on their shoulders and letting them know, hey, when you were a young athlete, somebody made a positive impact on you. Now it's your turn to make that impact on somebody. What are you going to do about it with this time, with this opportunity that you have at camp in your role to be that same person? Man, I love that. That is really cool pose. Positive, order, safety, and energy. Yep. And it's, you know, I see it on the on the side of my daughters, right? Because mm-hmm. my daughters are coaches. Great coaches, by the way. The Jordan, thank you. For, <laughs> you know, the Jordan Ken sports camps. And they come back with so many different stories, mm. right? So many different stories about how uh, kids, how they interact, mm-hmm. and then what they do to be able to make that day like the best part of their day. Mm-hmm. Going to the sport camps, something happens, 
they lose or they play in a sport and somebody they not their friend says something to them, but they have like this impact on these kids and and it's something that I'm very I'm very thankful that both of them doing this you know they look forward to doing the sport camps yeah. during the during the uh, summer to be able to you know have a job learn mm-hmm. and understand like the impact they can have on the younger uh, on the younger kids so man thank you very much for that and with that how I, I know it's the beginning of June here in 2022. <laughs> Is there still availability in the Jordan Ken Sport Camp? How can they find out more about your sport camps and what you guys do and how, where at you do it and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, thank you for asking. We certainly still have room in our camps and a couple of them are starting to sell out already, which is exciting to see. But we also want to make sure there's opportunity for kids to join us. So you can go visit jordankentcamps.com and there you'll find all the information for Jordan Kent's Just Kids Skill Camps and We have over 30 offerings in the state of Oregon. We really want to try and be the neighborhood camp. It's funny, being a parent, you have a better understanding of the needs of parents, right? And the last thing I want to do is hop on the freeway and drive 30 minutes to drop my kid off to something and then come back and pick them up and sit in traffic in the afternoon. We try to, for the most part of the major Portland metropolitan area and Eugene, Bend, and Salem, we want the drive to be something you don't have to hop on the freeway to get to and just make it very quick and convenient for you to add it into something to do during the day. So go ahead and check us out. You'll find that we're a very affordable, fun, safe option. There are scholarships available as well, too. And at the end of the day, it's about the kids having a great time and certainly you have your goals as a business to grow and operate and to increase revenue and profit and everything. But we never want to do that at the expense of the experience for the kids. So every year we try to invest more and more into what we're giving to the kids, but go to jordankentcamps.com. You'll find all your information there to go ahead and get signed up and join us for what we feel like will be an epic week of a youth sports camp this summer. I love it. And, and let me tell you for, for all my folks, this is not a baby. It's not a babysitting type no, of no, deal. No. I've had <laughs> our two youngers, our, our two younger kids, my eight-year-old and 10-year-old, they've been doing it for the past couple of years, and they look forward to it. They look forward to it, and they come, they come back home. They all face all red, and they all sweaty and stinky. And, <laughs> but they learn something, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they learn, um, you know, they learn something about whether it's their mm-hmm. sport or something about themselves. So I'm very mm-hmm. appreciative to that, Jordan. Yeah. Um, man, thank you very much, Jordan. This has been great, you know, to hear your story, what you're about, the success that you had, not just on the field or on, on the court or in the arena, but really like the things that you're doing and continue to do um, outside of outside of sport and the principles that you shared today that can help people find their own level of success. So thank you very much, my man. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon and the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on kindle and who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to, to transition what whether you was an 
athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.